Yep. So I think we're uh, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Just cool. a blip on the line. So uh, you're not from New Orleans, though, right? Are you? No. Where are you from? I am from uh, Essex County, New Jersey. I was born in Newark. In Newark. Yeah. I was born in uh, Newark in 1958. Wow! 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 And. Uh, how long? How much of your life did you spend up in, spend in that area? I lived in uh, the Northeast until I was 18, mm-hmm. 19, and uh, then I came here. Were you in, were you doing what, what were you, were you, what were you doing up there? I mean, what was there, were you, was there music involved before you got here? Or were you... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. I uh, I started playing guitar at eight. Oh wow. Um, so I started playing <clears throat> and taking lessons in uh, 1966 in uh, Caldwell, mm-hmm. where I'm from. Okay. So I was uh, I went to Caldwell Studio of Music, which was a record store, guitar store, and downstairs they had like four of the smallest rooms you could possibly imagine to uh-huh. take a guitar lesson in. Uh-huh. It was this you and the deodorant of whoever was teaching you. Wow. wow. They were just such small cubicles. So I, 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 taught, I was taught by uh, guys who were like in the New York jazz scene, mm-hmm. uh, Jersey City jazz scene, you know, like guys who gigged at night and taught guitar during the day. Uh-huh. Um, what the, did you have a, some drive to learn something in particular when you went, or was it just the instrument, or was there a kind of music that was up on your mind? Well, I, the drive to learn guitar came from um, one moment, as many things in life do. Uh-huh. Um, my, uh, I was born, I, I should say, born in New Jersey, and for a year and a half, two years, we were transferred. My father was transferred to Colorado. Okay. So when I was pre-K and kindergarten, I went to school in Colorado. But during that period, my parents uh, saw the Beatles at Red Rocks. Really? Wow. 1964. Uh-huh. Um, when they came home from that show, my mother, who had, was a, sort of a musician herself, um, insisted that I the next week stay up and watch uh, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> That's amazing. You and that was that. it. You actually saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> yeah, not only did I see the Beatles, my parents actually saw the Beatles at, yeah. uh, at Red Rocks. Yeah. So that was the moment when I decided I wanted to play guitar. Okay. I had an older cousin who played guitar. And uh, when we moved back to New Jersey, he gave me a guitar. Okay. And uh, then it was a matter of taking lessons. And, you know, when you're eight years old, you don't really have a lot of decision power. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So I enrolled in music lessons and I was taught, um, yeah, I was taught how to play jazz chords, I was okay. taught how to play jazz extensions. You know, they taught me Fly Me to the Moon, they taught me, you know, Windy. Wow. You know, all of these standards. Uh-huh. And, you know, there was a teacher with the rubber stamp drawing the, the chord figures, and uh, um, that's what I played. Huh. That's what I learned to play. And then um, I sort of fell into the band scene. 
my first band was in 1969. Okay. I was in sixth grade. Uh huh. I had a band. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, we played talent shows and, you know. Was there a similar outlook here with the guys you were playing with? <laughs> Outlook? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're talking like, you know, nine-year-olds from Jersey in 1969. Yeah, oh, I see. Okay. The Outlook was, we wish we were hippies. Uh-huh. We're too young to be. Okay. We're, you know, hoping that it all hangs around long enough for us to catch up with it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, you know, we had, you know, black light acid posters, but we, <laughs> you know, we're still drinking Kool-Aid without anything in it. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking the regular Kool Aid, yeah. yeah. Right. So and then so and and so you were already doing the talent shows when you were nine, and then uh, you know that continued that sort of those sorts of bands for a while. Was that was that your? I stayed. I had a uh, one of my closest friends even today is a, a, a gentleman named Michael Morangel, and he and I played. Uh, he was a bass player, uh-huh. is a bass player, and uh, at that time he was a guitar player. Okay. So we played together, and we played all through junior high. And in high school, that's when everybody started like doing Friday night jam sessions. You know, we would go to somebody's basement, and you know, we somebody would buy beer, and we'd smoke pot, and we'd play. Mm-hmm. We'd play. You know, we'd play Almond Brothers, and we'd play. Uh, God, all kinds of stuff. Cream, you know, we just jam on on, on, on riffs. So yeah. hippie hung around long enough. The hippie yeah. hung around long enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then um, when I was 15, uh, or 16, I think it was 15, um, there was a guy in my high school named Phil Florio who ended up being the drummer for Southside Johnny. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that band. Hmm? I don't know Southside Johnny, but okay. Look, he was Asbury Jukes. Okay. You know, that sort of right. Springsteen spinoff, Jersey oh, okay. Shore scene. Uh, but uh, Phil was an incredible drummer and an absolutely horrible student. You know, he was trouble and, you know, but wonderful cat. And he got me and Mike into a band with these guys who were like in their mid 20s and they mm-hmm. were from Jersey City. Mm-hmm. And we formed a band, and we played on the weekends mm-hmm. in uh, Secaucus at strip clubs. Oh, really? So wow. I had an Alaskan driver's license that got me in these clubs. Mm-hmm. And on Friday and Saturday nights, I would tell my parents I was going out to rehearse. And then we would play at these, um, these clubs, which were on the same strip where Frank Sinatra, like... Did his first gigs. So, and this is what you were like seventeen or eighteen or something. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Uh, this must have been quite a lot of incentive to keep up the uh, the lifestyle here. <laughs> <laughs> there can be no better incentive, <laughs> except the strippers were not what you might imagine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or maybe they're exactly. What <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> we played weddings. Uh, we played. You know, we played bars. Uh, you know, and they were, the, it was really a fascinating group of people because um, in those days, and interestingly, for some reason, in northern New Jersey, there was a fascination with uh, California rock, mm-hmm. with um, southern uh, rock, mm-hmm. and with um, 
you know, bands like uh, like Poco, and with bands like Marshall Tucker mm-hmm. and uh, the Almond Brothers, mm-hmm. and you know, so we were doing covers, we were writing originals. So you wrote originals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wrote originals. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was fascinating about those bands? What did you, what did you find interesting about the Southern and what, Western? What I, found, what I found fascinating was the, the cats who were older, they were much older than me, they were mm-hmm. like 10, 12, 15 years older mm-hmm. than me, a couple of them. They were so um, precise. Mm-hmm. They were they rehearsed us really hard they sang incredibly well mm-hmm. i mean to do those you know to do eagle songs to do poco songs mm-hmm. to do that kind of shit you got to you have to sing yeah you have to be able to harmonize mm-hmm. and there was such an intuitive quality about their playing mm-hmm. that the, it was very cool hmm. um and it really sort of it taught me that music was more than just a Friday night jam session. Mm-hmm. That there was, uh, you know, there was discipline involved. Mm-hmm. That you know, you did have to, you know, get your shit together before you got out in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that you did have to work really hard to make yourself presentable. Mm-hmm. That you had to do things like, you know, make a, you know, tight set list that had some kind of sense to it mm-hmm. so it was you know that was a, it was a schooling how uh did those musicians that were older that that had that ability did they talk about what brought them to that was it the same kind of background was it the same kind of experiences that were driving driving them to do what you were seeing them doing did they have the same kind of background yeah i mean you know was it, they weren't for, would, no they were different okay. which was really kind of cool because mm-hmm. they were from um, John and Bob, they were from um, they were from Jersey City, so they were fucking tough. Mm-hmm. They were from the other side of the of the tracks, mm-hmm. and they were like you know mechanics by day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had day gigs. Mm-hmm. Nobody was making a lot of money here to, to support their family. They had families. They had kids, mm-hmm. um, and they were. Uh, they, because I was, you know, where I grew up was the suburbs. Mm-hmm. You know, I was outside of uh, twenty, fifteen miles outside of Newark. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you know, I could be in New York City in twenty minutes, or I could be in a reservoir in the, you know, the woods in twenty minutes. Uh huh. Perfect place to grow. Great. Up, yeah. You know, but these cats were very urban. Uh huh. They were very urban, so they had a different mindset mm-hmm. about everything. You know, they were they were more like careful, paranoid. You uh-huh. know, they watched out for you. Mm-hmm. There were fights. I mean, we had you know we got into like some some shit. Wow. And they were, you know, they were they were watching my back. They were cool. Uh huh. And well, and and, and it also worked out to some music ability. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, they were they were. I think more than anything, they showed me that you had to have a, you know, f- uh, you know, there had to be an intellectual component to this that was huge. Mm-hmm. It was part of mm-hmm. performing. Oh, interesting. And so, uh, wh- how'd you end up down here? Um, I, uh, I, uh, out of high school, you know, I had good grades, okay grades, and. Uh, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson University, which Where? is northeastern 
New Jersey uh, school. Um, and I just wanted to get out mm -hmm. of Jersey, sort of tired of the whole scene. Mm -hmm. um, one of my closest friends, this, this cat named Rick Marchuka, mm -hmm. um, went to Tulane okay. right out of high school. Mm -hmm. um, he had become sort of a surrogate child in my family. His parents father had died when he was a kid, step-parents, his stepfather sort of abandoned him and his mom abandoned him and he lived in this house right by the mm -hmm. high school but at night he had nowhere to stay because it was so fucked up his brother had like all these chicks over and so he used to come to my house and mm -hmm. hang out. My mother sort of adopted him and took care of him. I went and visited him uh, January of my first year in college because mm -hmm. I had a huge break and I drove down with a friend of mine, came to New Orleans and was like, wow, what a place. This was 1977. There was a Super Bowl going on with the Denver Broncos and I have no idea who else. <laughs> uh, but to me, there was something really um, alluring about the city, you know, mm -hmm. something so foreign uh -huh. to what I had grown up around in uh -huh. Indiana. So I, uh, I had transferred, I was an economics major. Okay, interesting. And I had transferred, uh, when I got back, I transferred to Tulane. Mm -hmm. um, they had accepted me. And then, I think it was in like January or February after I'd got back, there was this huge fucking blizzard. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to spend the night in the library at Fairleigh Dickinson because they closed all the, the, the roads. You couldn't, uh -huh. you couldn't drive home. And I slept in the architecture section. Mm -hmm. And I began reading books on architecture. <laughs> wow. This is so I was sleeping in this place and, you know, just thumbing through books by Palladio and Vitruvius and, you know, and, and wow. looking at books by Frank Lloyd Wright and, you know, Gropius. And I uh, said, well, go to architecture school, because I know Tulane's got a cool architecture school. Unbelievable, too, with the people you mentioned, the like classical architects. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, <laughs> well, I'm sleeping, yeah. or trying to sleep, but, you know, I was... Uh, <laughs> so I called the architecture school, had them take my credits. Uh, by absolute chance, somebody had dropped out of... The transfer applications because they had a limited number of applicants that uh -huh. they would accept each year. Uh -huh. And without a portfolio or any kind of review, they accepted me uh -huh. because my grades were good, really good in college. Uh -huh. And so in 78, I came down here to go to architecture school. Wow. Okay. Unbelievable. And so what happened to the music when you got down here? How did you, I mean, did you meet musicians? What, when you took these trips down here, I guess you took this trip and found the place. Was it, did it seem like a place you wanted to play music or was it just strictly about getting into the feeling and doing the college or how are you? I think by that point I knew music was always going to be mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had sort of, you know, by the time I was 18 I'd been playing, 19, I'd been playing for 11 years, mm -hmm. 12 years, a lot of it in bands. So, I was convinced that no matter what I did, music would be in 
the picture. Um, and I, although I can't conjure a specific mm -hmm. strategic memory, uh -huh. I'm sure I felt that somehow New Orleans would be uh, conducive mm -hmm. to uh, this idea of keeping music in my life. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I met um, a cat in architecture school named Dwight Davis, uh, who was, you know, by chance, like you get these, you sit in these huge um, design labs in architecture school, mm -hmm. vast rooms with drafting tables and, you know, tons of people. And Dwight sat right next to me and, um, he was uh, a flautist and also uh, studying, uh, uh, he was studying uh, tenor. Mm -hmm. So he and I started playing together, um, which was really kind of uh, very great. And we would play together for hours and hours mm -hmm. and hours. And then we used to panhandle in the quarter. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, we would go down the quarter and play like Friday and Saturdays and, you know, make 30, 40 bucks and go out and have beers and eat on it. Um, so it's about what you make now, but you probably get a lot less beer and food. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> no, we played all day. The 30 or 40 bucks would be like 10 hours of playing. Oh, okay. okay yeah, okay, we'd okay. play. We'd, we'd set up it. Noon and we played till you know ten at night. Yeah, all right. And uh, but we'd find our corner and uh, we wrote music together. It was also a period where I started to really um, and in those days, you know, I had gone away from rock because the uh, late seventies were really bad in the rock world. <laughs> You know, really, what it was a naughty time in rock and roll, uh -huh. where there was not so much good shit going on. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I had started studying, like uh, you know, Chick Corea, Stanley Clark, oh, okay. uh, Jaco Pistorius. Uh -huh. um, you know, these were sort of my influences during those days. Okay. So a lot of our sh our stuff was, uh, you know, based on that. We did Spain. Of course, you know I, they're back to doing that now on Frenchman Street. The kids, of course, the kids are. are back playing. You know, of course. They are. <laughs> we did take five. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, we did. Uh, we, you know, and then we wrote our own stuff, which was very interesting because Dwight, Dwight was fascinating. Dwight uh, um, lived more meagerly. And me, I don't mean meagerly in a bad way. I mean, he was extremely tight, lived in a shitty apartment, uh, you know, was like careful with every dollar he spent, very good student, incredibly uh, devout um, musician. And one Christmas, he asked me to come to New York and visit him because he was from New York City. Mm -hmm. And my cat lives on Sutton Place. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. His Davis, Dwight, uh, Dwight and Church's grandfather invented baking soda. Wow. The wow. Davis Cup. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, this guy was totally unassuming. Yeah, it's great. It's great. He's slumming it down in New he's Orleans. He's slumming it in New Orleans. <laughs> and now, but he's not faking it slumming. Yeah. He's... He's like, he's that sincere. Yeah, okay. They had yeah. a tremendous effect on me in that way, too, in this sort of like, wow, 
look at this cat. Uh-huh. When I you know went to his house, and I'm you know like Matisse's, yeah, real wow. Matisse's, <laughs> fucking house, amazing. Yeah, 